0: Okay, we're beginning a series today on parenting, which is always a little fun, but it's always a little bit troubling because um, as a parent, one of the worst things you ever want to do is um, is kind of put your children out there to be critiqued. And so I'm going to teach about parenting and that kind of thing, but there might be a voice in your head that says, well, how good a seat they went, you know, with his kids. Now, um, you all only know Elise, and Elise is 13. She's a great kid. She's really a good kid. But she's not perfect and I've got three other daughters and and they're great kids. They're really good. One lives in Michigan and one lives in Ohio and one lives in Knoxville and we love them and they're great, but they're not perfect. And so I don't hold, I'm not saying, hey, this is how I parent and this is how you should parent. But what I'm going to do today and for the next few weeks is we're going to look at God's Word and what it says about parenting. Because... <laughs> There's sort of this picture that we want everybody to think. We're all buttoned up and this is kind of this is our this is our Facebook picture uh, a profile of our family. When really this is kind of what goes on, you know, in life and and so it it kind of supposed to look like this, but it sort of looks like this and and parenting is one of the toughest things you can do and and so cuz here's what's tough about parenting. You think you get it figured out. And you sort of maybe get it figured out with one kid, but if you have more than one kid, okay, you got it figured out for that kid, but this kid's different and that kid's different. I've got four kids and it was different for all four. And while I wasn't the best parent, I, I was around Miriam, my wife. She's a great parent. And so I watched her and, and she did things biblically. And, and so I just, for this series, I just want us to sort of understand that this isn't about, hey, um, you didn't do good with your kids, and you should feel guilty, and it's none of that. It's no, it's no judgment, really. This is just about, hey, what does it look like? What does God say to us about parenting? Because he does have things to say, some principles to apply to parenting, or or when I'm in uh, responsible for kids and that sort of thing, because sometimes I have children under my charge, and I, I there's this there's some biblical principles in dealing with kids. And so, Hopefully, this is what that's going to be. I tell you what, you know, as a pastor, I make a commitment that I'm going to tell you the truth. And I'm going to do it as, with as much love as possible. But it hasn't always, I'll just confess, I've not always, as a pastor, there have been times when I, I have, my focus has been I, I want people to like me. And that really isn't, shouldn't be my focus. Someday, when I pass away, I give an accounting of my life to God. And as a pastor, I have this. <laughs> added responsibility of of leading people. Uh, So I'm going to tell you the truth, and I'm going to tell you with just as much love as I can. Parenting is tough, and we're just going to talk about some things. This is what parenting looks like. I read a really cute story this week. Uh, A a lady by the name of Laura Albrecht writes, um, after moving to the country, my three-year-old daughter and I were often alone because we lived far away from people in this rural area, and we didn't really have close neighbors. So I wanted to make sure my daughter would call 911 in the event something happened to me. So after we, uh, I instructed her and we went over it a few times, I decided to test her. So I said, okay, what would you do if you found me on the floor and you couldn't wake me up? And she said, I saw my, the little wheels turning in my daughter's brain. And then she said, to my surprise, she said, I would go to the kitchen and eat anything I want. <laughs> So you can try, you know, you can try some of the things we're going to talk about today. I, I guarantee, I do not guarantee success, but I do guarantee that what I'm telling you is the truth and it's biblical and we're going to do our very best to sort of walk through this and manage this the next few weeks. What, what sort of things should I do to help my kids? Because here's what you've got to understand. There are certain things your children need. There are some boundaries that they need. There's some discipline that they need. They need this, and it's difficult. And there are going to be people in your life and in the world, and there are going to be soccer moms that tell you you're doing it the wrong way, and there are going to be basketball dads that tell you you're doing it the wrong way. And you have to decide who, what voice am I going to listen to in rearing my kids because there are a lot of voices out there. Super interesting to me. And The USA Today did a survey recently, and they asked people of faith. They said, if you took your faith seriously, what would, it, how, what would it mean for your life? 85% of people said this, that said, if I took my faith seriously, it would help me do a better job of raising my kids. So intuitively, we know the Bible is a great instructor. Unfortunately... We don't always look to the Bible because it's tough. I'm going to tell you the truth. Biblical parenting is difficult. Uh, by the way, my mom's here today. Mom wave at everybody. Mom, my mama turned 86 last Friday. Uh, yeah, she's. Um... And I announced her for a couple of reasons. Um, uh just super happy that she's here, but look how small she is, and she had a 10-pound, 11-ounce baby boy, so if she can do that, you can do anything. So anything we talk about today that you think, wow, that's really tough, well, yeah, it's tough, so is having a 10-pound, 11-ounce boy, so uh, understand something. Yes, this is harder than most approaches to parenting. Uh, There's a guy by the name of George Barna, has anybody heard of him, George Barna? Writes books, he's sort of a a researcher, Um, he's a Christian man who does research, and and. So what he does is he does surveys or or, um, statistics and he looks at these statistics and then he sort of draws conclusions from what he's finding in the stats. And he wrote a book recently called Revolutionary Parenting. It's not that new, but it's pretty new. And um, he found that there are, generally speaking, three basic approaches in America to parenting. And he sort of labels them. And One of them he labels parenting by default. That's sort of the notion of the path of least resistance. That's everybody else is doing it, so I'm going to uh, do it. That's sort of let's go with the flow, which is interesting to me because the flow changes. Just within the last five or ten years, there was sort of this movement toward, they called it free-range parenting, and you kind of let your kid go and do what they want to do. But at the same time, there was also this sort of helicopter parenting thing where you're around them all the time. And so going with the flow is tougher when the flow is going a lot of different directions. But that's sort of the notion around this. I'm going to do what my friends do. I'm going to do what I see on television. I'm going to do what people say is the way to do it. I'm going to follow the crowd. That's, he calls that parenting by default. There's also something he has titled trial and error parenting. This is the idea that nobody knows what they're doing. There really isn't direction. We sort of make it up as we go. And the goal in this sort of parenting, this trial and error parenting, is I don't particularly care uh, about anything other than I want my kid to be better than your kid. It's sort of competitive. I don't care how I do it. It doesn't matter what we do. But at the end of the day, I want my kid to be superior to yours. And then there's a third approach. And he calls this one the least common approach. And it's biblical parenting. He calls it revolutionary parenting. And it's the idea that I am going to intentionally apply Scripture to the lives of my kids and to my attitude toward teaching them. So that they will grow into responsible human beings that love Jesus. Okay, so you do this by modeling, you do this by teaching. There's a a great text in in, um, Deuteronomy that says, Fix these words, fix scripture, fix these words of mine in your hearts and minds, teach them to your children talking about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. And that to me says I am going to live a lifestyle that models what I say. I'm going to practice what I preach. Uh, This week I had a car I wanted to sell, a used car. I had just bought another used car and so I had too many cars. I needed to sell one. And so the thing about being a preacher is when you sell something, like a car, it's like, it's the whole the whole time I'm thinking, if I sell this to you and the engine blows up in a week, you're going to blame that on Jesus, maybe not just me. It's a lot of, it's really a lot of pressure. I just, I, had, I hate it. And so I got to uh, the parking lot where this guy was going to look at the car and I said, man, let me tell you everything I know that's wrong with this car, which is not really a great sales approach from what I understand, but... I said, I want to tell you everything I know that I know is wrong. All right, these gauges don't work, and you know, the the brakes do this, and da da. da. And I told him, and the paint's peeling here. And I showed him everything. Hey, here are the problems, and here's the good stuff. This is stuff I like about it, but here's you know here are the issues. And after it was over with, he said to me, "We're going to take it." <laughs> and I said, "Okay, wait a minute, wait a minute." Do you understand? I've told you everything I know. I just don't know everything. I, I know I, I know what I know, but I don't know what I don't know. Y'all know? Uh, okay, uh, that makes sense. There are some things I know. I mean, I know this and this. But if you drive down the street and it doesn't do something, you know, if the engine falls out, I didn't know that was going to happen. I, and I. But then he still has to trust me. And he said, "I get it," and we made the deal. I want to model for my kids truth. Tell the truth. E- even if you don't make the sale, you tell the truth. Because I would rather tell the truth and not sell a car than t- t- kind of you know shade it the wrong way And he and he gets down the road. And what's he going to say? He's going to say, well, that preacher didn't tell me the truth. All preachers are like that because we all get lumped in. I hate that, don't you? I hate to be lumped in with... You know, the uh, remember with the televangelist? Oh, I have seen it. Do you remember that? Do you remember all that? And, and every Christian got kind of this broad brushing sweep of, of, well, they're all like that. Well, we're not all like that. We're, we're not all hypocrites like that, although we are sinners. I want my kids. I want to teach them. I, I want to tell them. I want to talk to them when they sit at home. But also, when we're walking along the road, as we do life, I want to show them honesty. And so if I get too much change at the Walmart, I want to give it back. Because I want my kids to know, this is what you do. You're always honest, even when nobody else is watching. I I tell the truth. I'm going to tell the truth. Even when it's not to my benefit... When, I, when I'm sitting at home, when I'm lying down, when I'm getting up, when I'm at the house, I model what I want them to learn. Because the Bible says this in Proverbs. Train up a child in the way they should go, and when they're old, they won't depart from it. Train up a child. Well, one of my kids, and I can't remember which one it was, but they were little, little bitty girls at the time. One of them said, Daddy, what does it mean to train up? And I said, well, Mommy and me... We're going to do our best to to tell you the right things to do, and we're hoping that you'll do it. And and she said, are you all training me up? Are you trying to train me up? And I said, well, we are. And I heard her walk, as she walked off, I heard her mutter, well, we'll see about that. And, you know, it's like, (laughs) okay. Well, I guess we will, you know. And that's the whole point of parenting, is that it's a difficult thing. Barbara Johnson, who's a great author, she writes, if it was going to be easy, it wouldn't have started with something called labor. And so, uh, parenting is absolutely, incredibly difficult. And, like I said a minute ago, you have to decide, am I going to do the hard work, because it's more difficult, frankly, to be a biblical parent than it is to just let them do what they want to do, or to do what everybody else is doing. The easiest thing to do is go with the flow. And so to say, listen, to, to say to yourself, I am going to do it differently than everybody else. Look at this text. I love this. Stop fooling yourselves. If you think you're wise by this world's standards, rather become wise by God's standards. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness to God. And there are so many things that we see in our world today that are just nonsensical just nonsense it's just crazy now sometimes we think our world is falling apart we live in a world and it is falling apart and if you read and you you look at the wrong blogs or the wrong uh, twitter accounts or whatever you start to think man we're going to hell in a handbasket." understand something it, it's crazy and it, it's been crazy first century when when jesus was born Uh, King Herod had all the boys in that region executed. Uh, It's been crazy. Jesus was born into craziness. Nero was the, the emperor soon after Jesus' death. That guy was certifiably insane. I mean, he was nuts. This guy elected his horse to the Senate. Now... You might be thinking, we should do that. No, 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 no. He was just nuts. The guy was nuts. You might be thinking, we've done that. No, 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 no. Um, uh, there's another animal. But anyway, no, 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 no. No. So it, it may be the worst you've ever experienced it, but it's not the worst it's ever been. And And we think, oh, you know, remember a few years ago when there were riots and things and, in Baltimore and around St. Louis, there were, there were riots. But I remember as a kid, there were riots, riots in Miami and other places. It's not the first time that there ever been riots, and it won't be the last time. We live in a fallen world with fallen people. And fallen people make rules that are fallen, <laughs> that don't make sense, that are, they think are wise to them, they seem wise to them. They're not godly wise. I'm called to live a life in front of my children that reflects godly wisdom. And so it's like this. I love this illustration. Bob Russell gave this illustration. I love it. It's like if you're flying a plane and I've never flown a plane, but this is how I understand especially small planes, if it's dark or if the weather gets really bad, sometimes it's it's easy to get jostled. And Something called um, vertigo happens and you kind of don't know up from down and it's easy to get to that state. And when you're in that state, there's a certain way you feel. You, you, it's not right. You might feel that down is up and up is down and that's incredibly dangerous if you're flying a plane and you want to go one direction. But your instrument panel, which is right in front of you, says this is truth. And, and your, your emotions and your sensations are telling you something else, but the instrument panel is saying here's truth. And a great pilot will say, this is truth. I'm going to obey the instrument panel. And what I'm saying to you is you're going to be jostled, and maybe you're jostled, and this is truth. And you can look other places and you can feel other things, but let me tell you something, this is truth. So let's look at some principles that we can apply to our parenting or grandparenting. And here's what, time out, time, look at me, look at me. I'm going to tell you the truth for you. If you go into Target targets today and you see people not doing this, you do not have permission to say, our preacher said you shouldn't do that. You have no permission. No permission. This is for you. Now, if they look at you and say, what should I do? You tell them. I mean, you tell them if God opens the door, tell them, but don't offer it unless you're asked. Okay, the Bible is to be our authority in raising children. And you might say, well, duh. Well, yeah, duh. Except there are a lot of voices out there. and There are a lot of voices telling you things that aren't true, that aren't Scripture. There are voices out there that say, um, the home is to be a democracy and your children should have an equal voice and an equal vote with you. But the Bible says, children obey your parents. See, There's a notion that you as a parent know more than they do. You've experienced more than they've experienced. You have a greater biblical knowledge than they do. Therefore, you are better equipped to make decisions than they are. Can they offer an opinion? Sure. But you make the decision. You're the parent. Children obey your parents. There's this notion out there that you shouldn't impose your religious beliefs on them in a pluralistic society, except the Bible says train a child in the way he should go. Train a child in the way she should go. You have a responsibility before God to train them. Will they always do? Will they always follow your faith? Well, maybe not, but that, your responsibility is to give them the information, to train them, to teach them, to show them. What they do with it, they have a free will. They have a free will, but your responsibility is to train them in the way they should go. There's this notion out there that the primary task of a parent is to build up their child's self-esteem. But the Bible said, says that God opposes the proud. There are times when we need to teach our children, look, you sometimes sin. You do wrong things. It is okay to do wrong things because we are sinners. Just like your mom and dad, we're sinners. But when you do wrong, there are consequences. When you do wrong, there are consequences. This is what our children need from us. In Colossians it says, See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy which depends on human tradition and the basic principles of this world rather than on Christ. Let me give you a great resource. It's a book by a fellow named John Rosemond. He's a Christian and he wrote a book called Parenting by the Book. It's great. I've taught it several times. And in this book, he gives some principles on how to have a happy, healthy child. Four different things he talks about. Number one, put your marriage first. We're going to talk about that more later. Expect them to obey. Require and enable them to contribute something meaningful to the family. Let me give you an illustration just from this morning. My friend Emma Sabo, she comes with her dad, Vlad, who's working in the booth, and she came early today because the last couple of weeks she was here early, and when, when I saw her in the, in the lobby outside, we, we got here you know, a little bit earlier than everybody else, I said, Emma, you want to help me water the plants? Well, sure, she wanted to help me water the plants. So we watered the plants two weeks ago, and then <laughs> she told her daddy that she wanted to come and help Pastor Joseph water the plants the next week, and she did, last week she was here. This week they got home late, and so she had to get up late. She, she sort of was a little bleary-eyed, and blot had to get going. And she said, Daddy, I want to go. I want to help Pastor Joseph water the plants. And he said, I don't have time to get you ready. I'll get ready, Daddy. I promise I'll get ready. And so she got ready. And she was waiting for me when I got here. And I said, Emma, I'm so glad that you were here to help me water the plants. And she said, well, I had to hurry. I didn't brush my teeth. (laughs) The best part was, and, and I didn't tell my daddy. It's like, you know, I'm not telling daddy everything. Well... Here's what happens when we give kids responsibility. They need to understand they can contribute. That they are part of the family. That they... I'm not here just to serve you as a parent. You, We serve one another. The fourth thing is you give them everything they need, but not everything they want because kids don't need everything they want. You know what? Sometimes they want stuff they don't need. And I... In life, let me ask all of you who are adults, have you ever been told no? Hands, how many of you have ever been told no? Everybody's been told no. When you go to work, does your boss say to you, I'm so glad you're here today. How can we make this experience good for you? How can we make this good for you? Now, here at church, they do that for me, and I appreciate it. But most places aren't like that. It is okay. you got to learn what you do with a no. Now, it's okay to be told no. It is okay to expect your children to serve. Look at this great, great verse. Simon Peter, who was a follower of Jesus, said, Young people, in a similar way, place yourselves under the authority of, of spiritual leaders. Furthermore, all of you must serve each other with humility because God opposes the arrogant and focuses favors the humble. We serve one another. Over and over in Scripture, it teaches us that when we serve others, we serve God. Jesus said, I didn't come to be served, but to serve. We are most like Jesus when we're finding somebody to serve. What are we teaching our kids when we only, only give and never expect back? Think about this, when there's a marriage... And you've got one uh, young man and he's always been the center of attention and he's always gotten his way and it always goes his way and he's never been told no. And he marries a young girl and she has always gotten her way and she's always been the center of attention and she's never been told no. Does anybody see a problem here that might happen? The potential... If you've never compromised, you've always been the center. You've never had to compromise, and now you come together. We call that fireworks. Uh, that's That's just a bad deal. You're not helping your child prepare for life. So the question is, am I going to follow the world, or am I going to follow the Word? And it takes courage to follow the Word. And it takes energy, and it takes stamina, and it takes determination. And you're going to have to say to yourself, I'm going to be obedient biblically no matter what. No matter what anybody says, no matter what anybody thinks. I don't have a strong gift of mercy. I just don't. Uh, Just who I am. You know, that's who I am. I remember one time... (laughs) Mallory, my number two daughter, um, uh, was playing basketball, and and she was going for a rebound, and she got tripped, and she fell on the floor and hit her head. Boom! Loud. I mean, it was loud. And I'm right there on the baseline. I had just walked into the gym, and she's laying on the floor, and she looks at me. And I said, well, get up! You know, it's like, you obviously don't have a concussion. Your eyes are open. Uh, Get up! Every mother, I looked up at the stand and every mother was up there going, mm-mm. Oh, no, he didn't. I mean, it was like, oh, I wouldn't sit on the, on the visitor side. I was scared. Okay. It's difficult to push our kids toward a biblical-centered life. It's, it's hard. And, and, and they're going to question you sometimes. And their friends are going to question them sometimes. And you've got to hold fast. Just like watching the gauges when they don't seem to make sense. Number one, you don't make your child the center of attention. Number two, the Christian home is marriage-centered, not child-centered. When God created Adam, He said it is not good. Not so much that Adam wasn't good, but it wasn't good for him to what? Be what? Alone. Now, when God saw that it wasn't good for Adam to be alone, He didn't then create Adam's children. He created Eve. That's the foundation of a home. Children are a blessed benefit, but they are not the foundation of the home. And our children need to understand that the home doesn't revolve around them because it's not good for them. Dr. Roseman writes this, In the years since World War II, we have become increasingly neurotically obsessed with raising children. We've elevated children to a position of prominence within the family that they do not warrant, that they have not earned, and that, most importantly, they do not benefit from. Gary Izzo, who's also a child psychologist, says that child-centered parenting is the most subtle form of idolatry in the Christian home. Here's what we need to understand. You're going to rear, if you make them the center, you're going to rear a self-centered child. And this causes problems in their life because the world just does not revolve when they get out. The world does not revolve around them. We have said it, I've probably said it a thousand times at my home to my kids. The world doesn't revolve around you. The second problem is you almost guarantee their unhappiness. Jesus said it's more blessed to give than to receive. And we need to teach our kids that we are people who serve others and we serve one another. The third thing, and this is really interesting to me, if you're not careful and if you center only on your children when they're gone, you, the statistics prove are more likely to divorce. Look at this. It's called empty nest divorces. That's when the kids get old enough to leave. Empty nest divorces in the last 10 years have doubled, nearly doubled, while the overall average of divorce rate, overall divorce rate has declined just a bit. So while the trend toward divorce is down, empty nest divorces are skyrocketing. See, the best thing you can do for your kid is to focus on your marriage. Daniel L. Busino is a social clinical social worker for the Department of Health and Human Services, and he writes this, The most important relationship in any family is the marital one, and the best thing parents can do for their children is to love one another. You actually dote on your kids when you focus on your spouse. I wanted my girls, and I want my girls to know, what it looks like for a man to treat a woman the right way. I don't want them bringing some Neanderthal in there and uh, expect me to give her away. I heard one pastor, they asked him, what was it like giving your daughter away in marriage? And he said it was like handing a Stradivarius to an ape. And that's kind of how it feels, I think, for a lot of people. In Ephesians, Paul talks about this is what the home should look like. And he begins by saying there must be mutual submission between husband and wife. And then he said... Wives, respect your husbands because men need that. We need respect. And then he says to husbands, love your wives sacrificially, selflessly. And then he says, children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord for this is the right thing to do. No matter what anybody else says, no matter what the world says, no matter what your soccer moms say, The best thing, the right thing to do is to obey your parents. Honor your fathers and mothers. This is the first commandment with the promise. If you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you and you'll have a long life on the earth. The best thing we can do for our kids is to dote on our spouse. And you might say, well, I'm a single parent. Now what do I do? It's important that your children understand that your happiness does not solely depend on them. That is not fair to your kids. For your kids to be the sole source of all your happiness isn't fair to them. I would say and I would advise and I believe it's a godly strategy. You put the Lord first in your life and you say to your kids the most important relationship in my life because I don't have a spouse is the Lord. My focus is on the Lord. And I love you kids but understand something there's there's something more important in my life than you a couple of things a couple of ways to do this by the way children just do not benefit Vlad can you push me one I'll just let you do it for now children do not benefit from being the center of all we do so a couple of simple strategies don't let your children interrupt adult conversation when I'm talking to my wife my kids were never allowed to, to interrupt us we would say wait just a second I'm talking to mommy super important second thing Create a time together that doesn't include them. You don't have to take them everywhere you go. You don't have to, and so don't. You Hire a babysitter, leave them with parents, do something. Uh, but create a time. We, we created a date night a long time ago, and we we're going to have a date night. There's, there's an entity that doesn't include you, and that's me and mommy, That's what we told our kids. Number three, don't give them everything they want. It's okay if they don't get everything they want. In fact, tell them no a little bit. Never, ever, ever reward bad behavior. God doesn't and we shouldn't. There's a strategy among retailers that they put the shiny little trinkets at the checkout. You want to know why? Because they know kids are going to have a little tantrum and most parents will say, good grief, just what, what, Just give it to me, I'll buy it. Give me that sucker. You know, I know it's called... Cost- quarter nowadays, $7. It's going to cost me $7. I'm going to buy that stupid sucker. Do not reward bad behavior. God doesn't. You shouldn't. Another one, really important. Make sure your children sleep in their own bedroom. Your bedroom is for your marriage. That's your place. I mean, if it's storming, that kind of thing, I understand that. I heard a great illustration of this. Bob Reynolds talks about an embarrassing time when Uh, He traveled for work, and so this particular night had been stormy, and he had gotten in late, and so he got home at 2 o'clock. He walked into the house kind of quietly, kind of crept up to his bedroom, and when he opened the bedroom door, there was his wife Karen, but his two kids were sleeping in the bed with her. So he went to the guest room and he slept there, but in the morning he had a discussion with his kids and he said, kids, I understand when there's a storm, you want to sleep with mommy and you're scared, I get that, but if you know daddy's coming home that night, once the storm is over, go back to your own beds. And they said, we understand daddy, we're sorry, we won't do that anymore. It's like, okay. Next time Bob was away, he flew in and Karen, it was earlier, and Karen and the kids met him at the airport and and his little son yelled at him and said, daddy, daddy, I got great news for you. Across the front of everybody and Bob said, Well what is it, honey? What is it, buddy? And she's nobody slept with mommy while you were away this time. <laughs> great news. It is great news, by the way, just so you know. <clears throat> Third thing, this is the most important one. Oh, Blood, you. All right. The pl- primary responsibility of Christian parents is to train children to be obedient to God, and mostly when you're not there. Our success or failure really depends on do they love God when I'm not there? See, here's where we get messed up. We start to think, I want my kid to be a great athlete, or I want them to be a scholar, or I want them to be whatever. I mean, what, you pick whatever's your thing. And so we focus and we obsess when, when really, when really, our success as a parent rests on the fact, on the result, that will my child obey God even if I'm not there? We, we pour into them and we try our best and we show them and we model for them. And biblical Christian parenting, let me say it one more time, is incredibly, extremely difficult and you will be tempted to throw your hands up and just buy the sucker. And don't do it. Because the reward is worth it. God has given us this amazing responsibility. This daunting responsibility. And I talked about that as a pastor a minute ago. That someday I give an accounting of my leadership of the church. But someday you give an accounting of your leadership as a parent's. And it won't matter what somebody said or what somebody else thinks. When you stand before God, none of that, it'll all melt away. It won't matter if the PTA likes you or the people down the street like you. It won't, none of that will matter. That's not our audience. There's no guarantee our children will love Jesus the way we do. Our responsibility is to present a picture to them, to show them, to model for them, to do the things that benefit them so that they might love Jesus. And Deuteronomy 32.11 says, Like an eagle that stirs up its nest and hovers over its young, that spreads its wings to catch them and carries them on its pinions. This is how we are supposed to parent an eagle will make a nest, and it's big like this, and, and it'll be nice and smooth inside, and the eaglets are born, but they grow, and they grow, and they grow, and when they get to the size where they're just too big to stay in the nest anymore, and they really need to be on their own, the mother of the nest will, will make it less smooth inside, and, it, and she'll turn some sticks, and it'll make it a little pokey, and that's what it's talking about there, will stir up the nest and the, eagles don't, the eaglets won't want to be there anymore. And then she takes them in her talons and she drops them, takes them kind of out and drops them. And they flutter and they don't know how to fly. And she will grasp them with her pinions and take them, swoop them back up and drop them again. And over and over again, she teaches and she teaches and she teaches until they have it on their own. This is what Christian parenting looks like. We teach and we teach and we teach and we teach. And someday, hopefully, as you pray, you're praying, God, help me be a parent that can teach these kids. For me, teach these girls how to love Jesus when they're not with us. Because the ultimate question here today, whom are we going to look to as an authority when we raise our kids? Am I going to listen to the voices all around me or am I going to look at the gauges that are tried and true? That's our choice. Am I going to look at biblical principles or am I going to listen to all these other voices which are not true? Father, we thank you for your word and your words and the help you give us because we know parenting is really difficult. And we ask that. You might continue to teach us and show us in the next few weeks, help us to learn together what we can do to be better parents and remind us of the things that we're supposed to do and maybe teach us new things that we should do and give us strength to do the things you call us to. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.